Hey, welcome to Conversations on the Co-Mission, a podcast where we're talking about the topics, the trends, and the issues that impact missionaries and the churches that partner with them. My name is Tony Balava, and we have a special guest in the studio today with us, along with Stephen Madoff. Hey, what? I'm not the special guest? Come on, Never. man. <laughs> yeah, we do have a special guest. We are privileged to have uh, our friend, as well as the Europe director uh, here at BIMI, Mr. Ed Hembury. We're bringing him in for a special reason, Mm. not just because he's a special friend of ours, but because he has some information on the topic we're going to cover today in our podcast that you and I didn't have that experience in. Mm -hmm. So we're going to the expert. I thought it was because he was the only guy we could find in the hall. Well, let's not give all our secrets (laughs) away. Hey, let's bring in uh, Ed Hembury. Uh, Ed, it's good to have you with us today and to join us in the podcast. And why don't you just tell folks, just kind of... Your, your missionary service, What did, where did the Lord place you in, in, in the foreign field? Well, after Bible college, I pastored for about 13 years. And then during one of our conferences, God called me and my wife to leave and go to Romania. We spent the next 18 years in Romania, planting churches and training nationals and running a children's home and doing a lot of different things over there. So you, you do have a, a lot of different things that were a part of your ministry. Yes. We've heard about those just in our own personal conversations and things, but there's one aspect we do want to focus on today, and that is the topic of missionaries establishing Bible colleges, Bible institutes, things of that nature. We really wanted to pick your brain because you have you started one, and it's still going on. How, how many years in existence has the Bible college you started been going? Uh, 21 years. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of success yeah. there. Let's start it off with this. Obviously, missionaries go, and especially a missionary with BIMI, they, the stated goal we have often is church planting, church planting, church planting. So if you're going to come with BIMI, you're going to plant churches. And we've talked about that on our podcast time and again. But tell us about the necessity or why is it important to maybe go that next level and do and create or start or found a Bible college or a Bible institute Well, even as a pastor, I would notice missionaries that had been on the field for 25 or 30 years. And uh, as they would age out or have health issues and have to leave the field, many of those missionaries had no one to take the work over. And so the work would stagnate and then just cease to exist. And I believe that uh, according to the scriptures, one of the responsibilities we have as church planters, and it's a necessity if you're going to have an an indigenous work, is the training of national leadership. Hmm. And training that, it can be on an institute level, it can be on a college level, but at some point in time, if you're going to have a work that outlasts your personal time there on the field, you're going to have to train some nationals as pastors, as church workers, as uh, evangelists, and those kinds of things. They have to be trained. And Hmm. that necessitates uh, some kind of a formal structure, just like it would here in the States, to train those who are called of God to fill those roles. Mm-hmm. How, let's just define some terms real quick. How would you define a Bible institute versus a Bible college? This way we're kind of all on the same page in understanding that. Well, a, a lot of places I've gone, they'll, they'll call a discipleship program a Bible institute. A discipleship program is usually 12 to 16 weeks. It's designed for new converts coming into the church to familiarize them with some basic Bible doctrine and just equip them so that they can grow as a member of the church. A Bible Institute is for those who, as I see it, are called to service of the Lord. Usually it's a three-year program or four-year program. The Bible Institute we had in Romania was 60 hours of Bible uh, over a period of four years. 
Uh, it was structured just on Saturdays because many of the students that we had coming to the Institute were married men who had jobs in the, uh, and families to support so they could only come one day a week. And many of them traveled three or four hours on a train just to get there. So we would meet from uh, 8 o'clock on Saturday morning to around 5 o'clock Saturday evening and uh, all day long on a Saturday. And during the course of four years, they would be trained in 60 hours of Bible and uh, church administration courses to prepare them. Specifically in the Bible Institute, all we trained was men for ministry. Mm. And then as we developed that and uh, in the years to come, the college-level courses actually grew out of the Bible Institute one of the main differences being to uh, enroll in the college, you had to have had high school so that the, de- that the degree that you got from the four-year Bible college would be meaningful. Hmm. Uh, you want that to be the same standard as you would have here in the States. Hmm. And uh, so for the Bible college, we had basically the same requirements you would have here for a degree is around 120 semester hours of instruction. And of course, you have an expanded curriculum for the Bible college. In the Bible Institute, for example, we didn't offer languages for the ministerial students. We had no Greek, no Hebrew. In the Bible College, we did. Uh, We had other courses in the Bible College also for ladies. Uh, I think we started, if I remember correctly, that was 21 years ago, we started with three degree programs in the Bible College, pastoral studies, uh, church ministry, and sacred music were the three main uh, curriculums as we began. That's been changed now, of course, since then. But uh, the idea is to prepare pastors who are qualified and church workers who are knowledgeable so that the work of church planting can go on long after you're gone. That's really so important. Um, I've heard Dr. Sisk say here very often, I don't know if he coined the phrase, but I hear him say very often, no success without a successor. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and obviously the scriptures dictate that we do need to be training others who will carry on in the faith and be able to train others also, 2 Timothy 2.2. And um, as you were speaking about establishing the institute and the college, the kind of the first thing that came to my mind is, okay, that's great, but I'm a missionary heading to the field. I've got to focus on starting my church, maybe one day Bible college. What are the mechanics of that in the sense of who's going to do it? Because I'm guessing you alone can't teach all of those classes, maybe in the Bible Institute on a Saturday. um, But when it becomes the college level, where do you find the laborers, number one, and then number two, the material? Because when you got there, I'm sure there was no independent fundamental Bible college material in Romania for you to use. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, as a pastor, I had seen the failure, as I, as I perceived it, of many missionaries not to prepare a successor to their work. And so before I ever went to the field, I collected all my college notes, my seminary notes, other curriculum as I gathered it together and took it with mm. me to the field, planning on the day that I would establish a Bible Institute to train nationals. Mm. That was part of my strategy from the very beginning. So as I perceive church planting, that's an integral part of what you're going to be doing, not an add-on later down the road. Mm. So I took a lot of material with me. Obviously, it was in uh, English and Romania. uh, Most of the students didn't speak in English at all. So Mm. it had to be translated, all of it, into Romanian. We Mm. began that our first year there. As I hit the ground, I found a translator because, of course, it takes longer than just a few months to be proficient enough the language to translate yourself. Mm 
So we begin translating some of the college notes that I had just in the basic things, basic Bible doctrines, Old Testament, New Testament survey, Bible introductions, some things like that to get the students started. Now here's something that people don't realize. It's not as difficult as you may think. All you have to have as you, as a missionary starts a Bible institute or Bible college, all you have to have is one semester of material prepared. That, that gets you started. Mm. Then you can work while you're going through that material on the next semester's material. So I didn't have all four years of the Bible Institute material prepared before we started. Mm -hmm. I had one semester done, and then we stayed ahead of the class with our translating work uh, for the rest of the four years. And the same thing with the college curriculum. We didn't have the entire four years done, but you were able to stay ahead of the class. There are different curriculums. Different men here have different college curriculums that you can borrow from. But uh, depending on where you go as a missionary, you'll notice that they have some let's say, some specific needs that vary from field to field, depending on their background, depending on their religious uh, training there. Uh, for example, in Romania, it was Eastern Orthodox was the state mm-hmm. church there. That wouldn't be the same as it might be in a more primitive place, let's say in New Guinea or something like that. So you're going to have to tailor your training and your teaching to deal with some of those specific subjects. Other things are going to be the same regardless of where you're at. Bible uh, doctrine is going to be the same. Survey courses, many of those things are the same. From doesn't matter where you're at. But uh, depending on where the missionary is, there's going to be some. Uh, there, there's going to be, have to be some development of some specific courses uh, to deal with issues on your particular field. So just to follow up with that, then the second part is just the labor force to to teach those classes did you partner with other missionaries uh, that maybe were in your area or a thought that came to my mind was you know you take maybe somebody who who the lord's been working on and thinks they're called to ministry you you train them personally to a place where under your guidance and supervision they can take some of those classes much like we would have a student teacher here in the United States or a combination of both because I think one of the things that that people who listen to the podcast may be thinking is how am I going to have time to do that if somebody doesn't come alongside and help? Well, in the Bible Institute as we started there were no other Americans there. Uh, I was there by myself in our area didn't have any other Americans anywhere near me, so we began the Bible Institute with just me all day on Saturday. Through the week, I'd work on curriculum and getting it ready. Of course, we were planning a church at the same time, so that all has to be done. And to be quite honest with you, it's a, it's a tremendous amount of work by yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you start like that, uh, I remember back in the day, I would be sleeping maybe three hours, four hours a night. Wait, you're going to scare our listeners. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying that's that's if if that if that's a situation God puts you in, you can do that. Mm-hmm. It's not the yeah. ideal. Now, when it came time a few years later, we ran the Bible Institute for um, around eight years, just that, and then the day came when I was asked to help start the, the Bible College. By that time, we had been there for uh, like I say, eight years, nine years. And we had some other missionaries who came to work specifically in the Bible college as well as plant churches with some of the students who were enrolled in the school there. And so we had other missionaries coming on board. Depends on where you're at. If you have missionaries that are, that are close enough to you in proximity that they can come to help with classes, uh, that's much, much better for you. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's better for the students, too, rather than to have one teacher the whole sure. time. It gives a different perspective. It gives them uh, some variety. Uh, as good as I am, and I'm really exceptional, <laughs> as good as I am, the, the students will get tired listening to one guy all the time. That's just the reality. But uh, we had eventually three other missionaries that joined us in the Bible college there, and that was a great help. Also, because of the institute, the, the institute classes, the curriculum was on the same level as the college curriculum. Now, it wasn't as diverse, as I mentioned earlier, but the classes that we did have were able to be transferred to the college. So I had some of the institute students when we started the college that transferred, and after they graduated, uh, one of them actually joined the faculty. Okay. He's, he's mm-hmm. teaching Greek there now in the, in the Romanian college. And uh, so mm-hmm. nationals begin to take those roles of teacher as well. That's the Second Timothy 2.2 principle. Sure. And they begin to reproduce themselves in, in the lives of others as well. I mean, I really appreciate just all that the experience you've had in doing it. And, you know, I remember when I was in Australia, of course, every missionary, I think I was like every missionary, you're like, Lord, give me somebody to, who could be that successor. Mm-hmm. So you're praying, you're constantly searching. And we did a we did a two-year Bible Institute where we took some material from a Bible college in Australia, and we did video classes. And it, and it was mm-hmm. I was like the proctor, graded the tests, and so on and so forth. And it turned out to be the folks that did it became great Sunday school teachers, mm-hmm. great ministry in, involved in the ministry, but not pastoral training mm-hmm. and uh, and things. So it is there is an aspect of definitely not just only pastors, but I'm sure even in your ministry of the of the institute and the college, you're training a lot of people who would be great Sunday school teachers with better education, right? Or was it more geared? Well, more so for pastoral. The Bible Institute itself was geared primarily for pastoral studies because I was there by myself. I was limited in the material that I could produce. And my goal at that point, because I was by myself, was just to train pastors. Mm -hmm. And that was my choice because that was the limitations I was working with, being there single by myself. I had no help from any other missionaries. That wasn't my choice. Obviously, if you're going to plant churches, you need more than pastors. You, you do have to have Sunday school teachers. You have to have uh, children's workers. You have to have camp people. You have to have people that are in, in the music uh, field and things like that. All of that's necessary. But when you're by yourself, then you have to prioritize. And for me, the priority was pastors and church planters. As soon as we started the college, we expanded our fields to those other things that could. Church ministries was a degree program to help with those that are not necessarily called a pastor, but are going to be working in the Sunday school areas and in many ministries in the church, just to give them the the Bible background, to be solid in the faith, and to give them the experience in church administration and things like that. Sacred music, obviously. Uh, We had to have help coming in. I can't teach that for Mm -hmm. sure. But uh, it gives them a good background in the right kind of music. And that's getting to be increasingly important in different places in the world, too. Uh, to get people in the in the right kind, uh, you know, godly music that glorifies the Lord, that speaks to the Spirit, and so forth. So, in the early days in the Bible Institute, that was you teaching, and yeah. then as the college comes along, um, were there eventually, and are there now some American missionaries involved in that? There are. Uh, there was a uh, brother Tim Tyler took over the college uh, administration after I left there. 
Mm-hmm. It's under the direction now of West Coast Baptist College, okay. uh, Dr. Paul Chapel. Of course, mm-hmm. they 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 supervise that. The degrees actually come through West Coast. Okay. The the college transitioned when I was there. It was a Romanian speaking college, mm-hmm. but. Uh, now it is an English-speaking college, and the reason for that is that most East Europeans, young East Europeans, particularly Romanians, speak enough English that they can take the courses in English. Hmm. And also by having the courses in English, it opens it up to other European countries, uh, not just Romanians. Mm-hmm. So there are other missionaries who can actually send their children for college credit there to Romania, where the cost is very, very cheap comparatively to sending them back here to the States to go to a college. Mm-hmm. And the and the college credits would transfer then to West Coast if they wanted mm-hmm. to go there later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have the possibility of other missionary kids going. You have the possibility of other nationals going from other countries as long as they're English speaking. And they won't have to speak uh, Romanian. Mm-hmm. The only problem with that is that if you're going to go to a Bible college, you, you have to be involved in meaningful ministry. And so when they come there to Romania to attend a Bible college, if they're not speaking Romanian, uh, it's a it's a challenge to plug them into a work where they can have meaningful mm. ministry if they don't speak mm-hmm. the language. Now, there are some ministries. Brother Tim has a church uh, in, in Timisoara, and Timisoara is a university town. And during the year, they'll have about 80,000 students at the university there, many of them English-speaking. So there are English ministries on campus and things like that. I think he also has an English service on Sundays uh, as well. For those, uh, you know, there'll be mm-hmm. a lot. Of, there'll be a lot of nationals come to an English speaking service just for the language practice, and yet it's an opportunity to get the gospel to them and see a lot of people saved through that. So, the reason I asked about the. Uh, or where I wanted to head for just a moment on on getting other missionaries involved mm-hmm. is I went to a Bible college where. All of the faculty were also independent Baptist pastors mm-hmm. from the area, and they didn't really, they didn't have as their one ministry that they were the professor at this college. Mm-hmm. And I watched our, our Bible college president form a, I'm going to use the term coalition, however you want to use it, of independent Baptist pastors and got them all on the same page. And I don't know about you, but I find that pretty amazing <laughs> uh, that as as we travel sometimes and we all have opportunity every each of us all three of us have the opportunity to go to different churches you find out how different we really can be in independent movement and what was helpful to you maybe in as you are forming that group who would be the teachers to get them okay you're an independent baptist pastor and that's your church and that's what you teach and and not that it's going to be radically doctrinally different, but we may teach it a little bit different over here in the college. Mm-hmm. How did you get that that to work? Well, for all, obviously, all of the missionaries that taught in the college were independent Baptist missionaries planting churches, mm-hmm. and then the students that came to the college were out of independent Baptist churches that had been planted in other places in Romania. Most of them by American missionaries, not all, some by nationals, but. Uh, the teachers that came there, we had some from different colleges, and you know that different background, sure. just like you said. And we have to agree that regardless of our individual biases and, and uh, particular taste in some areas, that we're going to agree this is what we're going to teach here. Mm-hmm. And uh, didn't have any problem with that. As I remember, they, they worked very well with that. 
if I could just give a word of structure of what we did in Romania to help with uh, students from other places. One of the problems you'll have on a mission field starting a Bible college is that missionaries are reluctant to send you their students because they're afraid they're going to lose them mm. to your work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the cream of the crop. These are young people they've led to the Lord, usually bright and, and ambitious, and they're afraid of losing them. So what we did, we started classes on uh, Tuesday, Tuesday morning. That gave students anywhere in Romania that you are, you can get to our place on a train easily during Monday. The, the, so they would come in Monday, get there by Monday evening. We'd run classes Tuesday through Friday noon. And that would mm-hmm. give them time then on Friday afternoon to go back to their home church and be there for the weekend. And we wanted to assure the missionaries that they would not lose their students to our particular ministries uh, that were associated with the Bible College. We mm-hmm. wanted, and we still want, the Bible College and the training institutions to be um, an asset and a benefit to all the churches, not just to our... We don't view the Bible College as a way to build our individual church. Mm-hmm. It's a way to build the church of the Lord on the field, and that means helping everybody out. Well, I could see the Bible college is a is a whole nother kettle of fish. That's a higher level, mm-hmm. as you said, 120 hours, and you know, I mean, you're doing different languages and such. One of the things I can imagine would be, you know, and I, th- I appreciate Tony's question because I was kind of in my mind also thinking somewhat similar as far as I, let's say I have a, my my church I had in Australia. Okay, I had like a I don't know if I can formally say it was a Bible institute, but here I was mm-hmm. trying to do deeper level of Bible study with people for the purpose of ministry education. Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, there's another church, let's say, down the road that it's, they want to do a Bible institute. And, and every missionary, if they started the Bible institute, you're only going to get, say, one, two, three people. But if you combined, you're mm-hmm. going to get 10, 15, 20, 30 people ultimately. So... How do you know how to? How do you know when to work together or not? Because of that idea of, hey, this is my guy. I'm training them, and there mm-hmm. is there is a trust factor that has to be exactly in that. Mm-hmm. Because I could see a Bible college. That's a unique thing. But Bible institutes a bit more. More can be created of those, and so when do you know? Okay, I'm not going to create my own Bible institute, but I'm actually going to send them to the other missionaries' Bible mm-hmm. institute. Well, I w- that would depend on how close you are in proximity to that, how that would work for your students, if you're compatible with the other missionaries or not. When we started our Bible Institute, there was nothing anywhere near us that, that I was aware of. I do think that in the years after that, there were a couple of other ones that started, but they would have been six or seven hours away from us. And so in the Bible Institute, it was not a dormitory situation. They would come just for that full day. The Bible College was a dormitory situation. They would come and spend the week there. And that's, you know, that's a different dynamic entirely. But the Bible Institute was designed for those students who were anywhere near enough to you to come. And at that point in time, there were no other missionaries that close to us. Whenever that happens, and there are several missionaries that come together, you could benefit from even other missionaries teaching in the Bible Institute. Instead of doing it all day by yourself, you could have two or three guys teaching on two or three different levels there. And that would be a real help, too. But uh, if you limit your training to, and uh, and we did, independent Baptist. So most of the independent Baptist missionaries that would come to Romania would have been compatible with us on areas of doctrine and even music and things like that. Now, they might not have, 
used our conservative music in their churches, but they wouldn't have balked at our teaching there and so forth. So uh, we never had any problem with other missionaries uh, wanting to benefit from the Bible Institute. This is probably not something that we actually plan to speak about, but as you were speaking about the, 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 the students, my mind was racing with the level of commitment that the students showed to show up on, to travel by train, to get to school, uh, spend the week there, and then get back to their home church. And, and I think it's tremendous that they got to be back in their in their home church. The church benefits. I was in a situation where I went to Bible college where I got to be a part of my home church. And I know that the, the training that I got from my pastor, the one-on-one training, the, uh, the opportunities for ministry were so beneficial to me. But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, how did those students survive? How did they survive financially? Were there, did you look into like, well, they could find jobs in your area Monday through Friday, or I guess it was Tuesday through Friday when they were there, or were they kind of on their own? Was that a part of the the structure? We structured uh, as much as we could. We had to work scholarship for them when they would come there. For example, we didn't we didn't have any paid staff that prepared meals, that did the cleaning, any of that. All of that was done by students, mm-hmm. and so we would give them credit toward their tuition and their room and board, mm-hmm. depending on how many hours they worked, say in house cleaning or in uh, the kitchen, things like that. But they prepared their own food, they cleaned the building, they took care of all that. So that provided several of them with some hours of work. Then there was area work as well, if they wanted to take care of that in the evening. Some of them did have jobs and would work at that. I might mention here, I I think it's important, we did the same thing in the Bible Institute, but because there was no dormitory involved, it was a lot cheaper. When I got to Romania, one of the mistakes I saw being made in places like Romania, and it would be the same in third world countries, I don't consider Romania third world, maybe second world, but a lot of missionaries will go to a place like that and they'll do everything at their own expense. Mm. I think fundamentally that's a mistake to make. Mm. And honestly, to be honest about it on the radio, the Romanians expected me to provide everything for them because that had been their experience with with some others that had come in different areas. Mm. And I believe this. I believe that if there's no investment from the people, then there's no value to what they're getting. Mm. And even in the Bible Institute, now, there wasn't a lot of uh, expense, but I did have to pay a translator to work on the curriculum. I had to buy the paper and the copy machine and the toner to make the, the books for them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I'm talking about hundreds of pages of material. We made, because there was not a lot in Romanian as far as study materials, uh, we didn't have just outline syllabi. We had complete courses uh, typed out and written out. So that those courses became their working library. And so mm-hmm. I charged them uh, a little bit uh, to come to the Bible Institute just to pay for their printed materials. I did that not because I couldn't have raised the money for it, but to make it an investment for them, a commitment for them. And mm-hmm. if, they're, if they're investing in it, if they're actually sacrificially giving, they're going to be much more likely to start and stay with the course. Uh, rather than just show up now and then if they're getting it for nothing. Mm -hmm. I think out of the original uh, 57 men that started in our first year Bible Institute, uh, 51 of them graduated four years later. Uh, So they stayed with the program uh, through the whole Mm -hmm. thing. And the same thing with the Bible College. We we do require them to pay something. 
there's no way to determine what that amount should be. That will vary from field to field. You have to decide what represents genuine sacrificial giving on your particular field. I do believe it needs to approach that. That's what I would term it, genuine sacrificial giving. There has to be a willingness to pay a price uh, or there's no real value attached to it for them. Hmm. Let me ask you this, Ed. If I'm teaching a Mm -hmm. Bible institute or it accelerates to the growth of a Bible college, do I need as a missionary to have a master's degree, doctorate degree, or is bachelor degree okay? Like what, if if that's something I'm planning, uh, when I'm, say I'm a missionary on deputation, okay, I'm, I know I'm going to start a church and Lord willing plant a Bible institute or if it grows to a Bible college, what education do I need to be the teacher that I ought to be? I would say that for the mission field, it would be the same as it would be here in the college. If you're going to teach on a bachelor level, then a bachelor's degree would be sufficient. If you're going to offer master's level work, then you'd need to have a professor there with the a master's degree. So whatever level of uh, degree you're offering, that's the degree you need to be able to have as the as the teacher there. There is a lot of stuff that we would sh- like to talk about still, but we're gonna we're gonna run out of time here, and uh, we actually probably are a little bit over time already, but. I just sit here fascinated with all the stuff that you have thought through and all the work that you put in, and it's it shows in the fact that there's still a Bible college today that continues, and leaders in Romania that have been trained and are being trained, and that is just, it's amazing. And it's an important thing that missionaries who are going to the field really consider in advance. I think that's what I was hearing from you, is that mm-hmm. you've got to pl- go with a plan, not with an idea that one day maybe I'll start a college, but go with a plan. I'm going to train nationals, at least at the institute level and then the college level. Thank you so much for spending the time with us, uh, Brother Hembry, uh, on this podcast. I am sure that this is going to be a help to those who listen regularly. And if you're listening this week, thank you uh, for taking the time to spend with us each and every week like this. We count it a privilege. This week, we will make sure that we put Brother Hembry's uh, contact information in the show notes so that if you want to follow up with him on some questions about uh, starting a Bible institute or a Bible college, that'll be there along with the contact information for Stephen and myself. Um, Again, we thank you for tuning in each week. If you find this a help, maybe share it with somebody else. And it really does help us to get the podcast known if you'll go ahead and and rate it and uh, maybe uh, just hit the stars there. And that'll that'll help us to uh, make the podcast more well-known and get get the word out there. Thank you for spending this time with us. Until next time, have a great week in the Lord.